Streaming reviews. I am your host, Demo. My co host is Joseph Taylor. This is episode 84. Welcome back, Demo, as always. As always, Joe, I got to tell you up front, we got a lot. Yeah. We got a lot to cover today. Let's jump into it then. It's going to be meaty. Oh, boy. Unless it sucks, and then I'll edit it down to like 15 minutes. (laughs) But as it stands right now, could be a long one. So here we go, folks. All right. Up front, just want to let you know I had COVID. Are you all right? I'm okay. Okay. <clears throat> Who else had COVID? Jess the facts, right? Jess, how are you? I'm good. That was miserable. I am tired of watching stuff. Who would thunk that I'd say that? I have tried to get COVID. I've been all over the country, maskless. Basically stopped wearing a mask a year and a half ago. I uh, eat things that I drop on the ground. I have not gotten COVID. I don't know. Immune system is just that of a sewer rat at this point. You're I don't not know. hanging around enough old people. Uh, I was, and that's how I got it. I see. It's not that big of a deal, but I just thought I'd let people know. Anyway, here we go. Last episode, I was talking about how Harrison Ford, for the first time in his career, is going to be a series regular on an Apple TV Plus show called Shrinking. Yep. Au contraire, mon frere. Oh. Because... He is now signed on to do his second TV show, which is a Yellowstone prequel called Yellowstone 1932. There's already a Yellowstone prequel. There's going to be more. It's going to be him and Helen Mirren. And word on the street is they're playing old people. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. He's still doing the first one? He's still doing the first one. He's working again with Helen Mirren. As I mentioned, can you tell me what movie they've been in before together? Yeah. What? You don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know no. It's the Mosquito Coast from 1986. Oh. You weren't going to get that. Not the terrible remake with uh, Justin Thoreau. No, and... no. This is this movie wasn't particularly great either. I wasn't a big fan of the Mosquito Coast. Well, the TV show was unwatchable, so it, it, I don't think we even reviewed it. It was so bad. I did not. So anyway, also, the last episode I had mentioned how I loved Atlanta, and it was in season three. Season three has concluded... And it was not as good as the two previous seasons. Kind of a mess. Too many bottle shows, you know, like that had nothing to do with the main characters. It got way weird. It didn't end very well. Hopefully season four, which is the final season, will get it back together. I still say it's a binge, but season three, not at the level of the first two seasons. Just got too weird and they didn't stick to what was great. So real quick for the folks at home, explain what a bottle episode is. uh, It's an episode that's like its own self-contained story. And in this case, it had to do with characters that have nothing to do with the regular series. Right. And they're like one offs. Yeah. And it can kind of go anywhere in the in the season because it doesn't connect to anything else. And sometimes it's when they're shooting like two episodes at once or they have to be out of their location for a certain period of time. It's more of a logistics thing. Anyway. I don't know. They did four of those this season out of 10. And I'm like, come on, get to the basics. Anyway, moving on. Also, a show that has wrapped up. It's done, done, done. Ozark. Yeah. Now, I've seen it to its completion. How about you? Absolutely. First weekend. 
we're not going to give away any spoilers here. I just want to say one thing. Came out on a Friday. Saturday morning, I go on Facebook, and this jag-off that I know, literally just spewing everything. Right, right. You can't even miss it. You know uh. what I mean? You know, I scrolled by it like it was a picture of a giant spider. I was like, I sent him a message. I'm like, dude, you're a douchebag. Blocked. I blocked him. Yeah. Now, granted, I tried to forget what he said, you know, because I only caught some of it. Still kind of ruined it a little bit for me. I would imagine. Yeah. I was like, you got to be kidding me, dude. F you. Okay? Yeah. Point being, what did you think of it? It was the only logical conclusion. So many people have been hating on this ending, you know? And my thing was, I can see where they can be disappointed. I personally thought it was fine. Yeah. I was not like mega disappointed with the ending. Uh, certain things happened where I was like, yeah, where else can you really go with it? I happened to watch, uh, I, this is one of the reasons I was more satisfied with the ending. I watched the little um, after show recap. So did I. Thing. Yes. Now, I thought that was terrible, but they did discuss. I mean, I thought it was amateur. They were using like YouTube stock music and stuff. It was badly. I mean, they must have made like a PA shot that documentary, which is fine. Um, the interviews were nothing burgers, but it was a puff piece. Yeah, it was. It was not good. I, I would say you could purge that documentary cap to it. But that's where they talked about why they ended it the way they did. And there was a reason to it. And after watching that, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess that really is the only way that it should wrap up. I guess I wanted it to wallop me, you know, like, whoa, oh, my God. It definitely did not do that. But it didn't really let me down either. Like yeah. I said, there's lots of haters out there. They're like, this sucked. I can't believe they did it. And they ended it this way. And. And look, if you're one of those people, I get it. I'm not saying you're wrong, but for me personally, I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm, re I'm ready for it to be over. And yeah. how they ended, I was like, all right. It's over. Yeah. I thought it was good. So Ozark's out. Most people have probably seen it by now. Um, fantastic. One of the best Netflix series in its history. For sure. Right? Yep. Moving on. How about a review, dude? How about a review? I'll introduce it and then you can take it away. Or you want me to introduce it and you take it away. What would you like to do? I have all the notes unless you get all yeah. the notes. So I came across this on Apple TV+. Plus. It's called Severance, starring Adam Scott and some other folks. And uh, why don't you go ahead and uh, tell us what it's about? Wow. You really covered a lot there. I'm just setting you up now. Well, okay. Nine episodes. They run between 40 to 57 minutes. It does include Adam Scott. Also, Britt Lauer. Zach Cherry, John Turturro, Christopher Walken, and Patricia Arquette. Everybody yeah. is great. And I'd never seen this Britt Lauer. She's almost like the second lead, I would say. Yeah. And she was great. Fantastic. Right? John Turturro has some amazing lines in this, some amazing line deliveries. He's funny and sad. There's like a pathos to him. Patricia Arquette, once again, weird. Yeah. I'll just put it right out there. This is in the running for biggest binge of 2022 for me. Yeah. But we haven't even said the premise. Let's say what the well, premise is. I'm just letting is. you know right now that I'm how okay. much I'm jazzed on it, man. Oh, yeah. We'll get to the premise. I'm with you. I'm okay. With you. All right. Just saying, like, we'll get there. Okay. okay. All, right. All right. The premise is this. Office space meets lost. Okay. Did you go with that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. You have people come in and they, they get this procedure done called severance. They put this thing in your head that makes you forget 
your, you know, real life and you only remember your work life when you're at work. Then you leave work and you only know your real life. Right. So you have no concept of either or. It splits your it consciousness. It splits your consciousness. Thank you. Yeah. Right? Be- between your work life and your regular life. Now, if you had the opportunity, would you take it? Absolutely not. Oh. Because think about this. If you, if you only know your work life, you're going to think it's a hell. Right? I mean, all you know is your work life. All you know is like Monday through Friday. You don't know your weekends. You don't know anything except constantly living there. It would make me insane. Yet we've both worked with people that that is their life. Right. I, that's what they're commenting on, right? right? Yeah. It's, it's got a message to it for sure, and it's a little ambiguous. But yeah, there are people, I mean, I've met people that they don't know what they're doing on the weekends. They just, Monday through Friday, they're there 12 hours a day, hanging out, dorking around. I mean, yeah, it's, it's making a point. Sorry, go on. This show is Kubrickian. I swear. Yeah. Stanley Kubrick would have made this, the cinematography and especially the art direction. Oh, yeah. It's so like Dr. Strangelove. It looks like it could have been made in the, the late 60s or early 70s. Yeah, timeless. I mean, production design, give it the Emmy. Billion dollar budget for production. And it, it could either be the 70s or it could be 2200. It could be the future or the past. It's so well done. Now, this is the brainchild of a guy named Dan Edrickson. And here's the thing. This was just a writing sample. Oh, he really? Ju- he just sent it in to Ben Stiller's production company, and they spent years developing it. But this is this guy's first real thing. Just a writing sample, dude. And now he has, like, one of the biggest hits of the year. Well, it's high concept. It is high concept, for sure. Once Ben Stiller got a hold of it, he really turned it into his own thing. He directed six of the nine episodes. Yeah. Right? So it's really his baby Man, I got to tell you, everything about this, I loved. I have no complaints about it. Maybe the second and third episode, I thought maybe it was a little meandering, but it gets you involved fast. Yeah. Also, the music is so haunting. So I just want to just give a little a little taste of it. Okay. I would go to sleep at night just hearing that. It's One West- more time. One more time. It's Westworldy almost. It's creepy as fuck, yeah. dude. It is. And we should say who this is for because it's a pretty broad, like anyone could watch this. Parents could watch it. I don't know. Maybe not little kids, but it's pretty broad who it appeals to, I think. People that have to work. People who have office jobs for sure need to see this. Yeah. And then quit. Yeah. Anybody that hates their job, this is it. Right. This has already been picked up for a second season. Man, I don't really want to give away any more than that. It's just yeah. definitely awesome. I've told a whole bunch of people to watch it, and they get back to me. They're like, I wasn't sure. And then they're like, oh, my God, I loved it. I can't wait for the second season. It ended great. I'm totally into it. Like I said, Office Space meets Lost. Yeah. And figure it out from there. And it only took, what, episode and a half to you're hooked? It oh, wasn't yeah. four episodes. It was oh, pretty no. quick. You get in there pretty quick because it's so crazy. Yeah. I don't know what else to say except Severance on Apple TV Plus is a massive, massive binge. Now, you glossed over one of the best parts of this thing is that Christopher Walken is at his Christopher Walken-est. He plays a guy who uh, works there. 
and Bert uh, Goodman. Yeah, and he he becomes more of a main character in probably the second half of the season. But wow, is he? <laughs> that was my Christopher Walken. Is he good? And is he Christopher Walken? Go full Walken, Walken. Oh, he did. Here, you want to hear a clip? Yep. Excuse me, everyone. I want to introduce you all to Irving and Dylan. They're from MDR. They're friends. I mean, how much more walking can you get here? Let's hear that last part one more time. They're friends. <laughs> we gotta keep that on the on the board, by yeah, the way. Yeah, for sure. One more time. I love it. All right. They're friends. Yeah, very walking. He's great. John Turturro is awesome. I mean, everyone in this thing is really good. I'm not a huge Adam Scott fan. I'm not either. I mean, he's the straight man in this, and he was perfect. Yeah. Everyone was, really. I really liked what he got. I'm sorry. I was going to say I really like Britt Lauer. Yeah, the security guard played by Tramel Tillman. Not security guard, HR rep. Is he HR? That's his title. Yeah. You'll see when you watch the show why I made that mistake just now. He's great, too. Every, everyone's We're great. We're beating a dead horse here, man. Everyone, watch Severance. If you have Apple TV+, Plus, there's no excuse not to watch it. We loved it. Yep. All right, let's move on, man. Moving on. I got something called Made for Love. You, have you heard of it until we just talked about it this afternoon? Uh, listener Steve recommended it to me a couple weeks ago, and he goes, how come you haven't reviewed this yet? And I'm like, I don't know about it. And I looked it up. And I was about to watch it. And then two days ago, you were like, I'm going to do Made for Love. And I was like, okay, well, there we have it. Yeah, which apparently season two just started uh, as we record this. You haven't watched season two. No, I just finished season one. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't heard of this thing either. I haven't seen a billboard for it until about a week ago on like a bus stop or something on Laurel Canyon. But this is a pretty well-kept secret. Considering who's in it. You want to hear who's in it? Please. Kristen Milioti. Who you love. I do. Didn't like Palm Springs, but still like her. Billy Magnuson. Ray Romano. Dan Bakidal. A few other people you might recognize. Now, I have to comment on each of these. Kristen Milioti. I think I mentioned this last time we talked about her. When I knew she would be a star from the car commercial. Remember that? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Turns out I was right, as usual. Billy Magnuson, I had the same feeling for in a movie called Ingrid Goes West. Oh, he was in Ingrid Goes West? He was the coked up brother. Ah, that's right. He was um, Elizabeth Olsen's brother and uh, with Aubrey Plaza. That's a great film, too. That wasn't something that we reviewed because it was a movie movie. But uh, he was awesome in that, and he plays Byron Gogol. Now, I don't know how the legal stuff works. They just changed Google to Gogol, I guess. So sure. whatever, maybe they signed off on it. He's a tech billionaire, but he's very reclusive. He keeps his wife uh, and him. They don't leave their little uh, cube thing that he's designed. They basically live in an artificial, uh, not artificial, VR. They live in a VR world, sort of, where they have everything. Ray Romano plays Hazel's dad. Hazel's the girl. And Hazel Green. Hazel Green. And uh, Dan Bakadal plays one of the... I guess he's a executive at Goggle, whatever. Gogol. Gogol. Google. Yeah. Go, whatever. By the way, if you know who we're talking about, he played a major asshole on Veep. Really funny. And he was also in The Sword of Destiny, and he was in Legit. 
I don't know what those are. He played the alcoholic in legit the Jim Jeffries thing. Oh, okay. I didn't watch that, but I believe you. He's funny. He's <laughs> this isn't. It's hard to describe because it's not really a comedy. It's sort of an adventure comedy thriller mystery. There's plenty of comedy in it. Ray Romano's wife, which we won't describe any further, is one of the funnier parts of the of the show. Some really good visual gags, and uh, you know they play with the technology to kind of make it light. But uh, it's stuff that's probably not that far off. You know, it's set just barely in the future. I think that's my favorite time setting for a show or movie is 30 years from now. You're nodding. No one can hear you nodding. Well, I, yeah, sure. I love it. What okay. do you want from me? Yeah. Okay. Sure, yeah. Sure, 30 I love years, it. Five years, 30, whatever. I don't know. You got it. Give me three different ones. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is called Made for Love. Now, I haven't started season two. I imagine it's probably pretty good as well. But season one of this. It is eight episodes, and they're about an hour, a little less than an hour. Absolutely worth it. It gets complex. It's almost Ozark level of introducing new storylines. Uh-huh. Every three episodes, there's a whole new storyline, sometimes new characters. It gets a little complex, and there's always something developing. But does it stick to the central story? Yes. Okay. Well, the central conflict is the same the whole time, but... They introduce new characters. There's uh, FBI guys that don't show up till episode six or seven, that kind of stuff. So you got to watch it. It's not something you can just put on in the background, but it's great. The acting's great. It looks cool. The special effects stuff, it just looks real. We're at that point, I guess. Nothing looks computer generated anymore. It's fantastic. And now, have you seen this? No. I told you I haven't seen it. Oh. I will watch it. Look at both listener Steve and you have said it's a binge, so I'm definitely going to check it out. I don't know when I have time, but I will. Because here's the hard part. It's hard for me to get into a show that we've already reviewed because i got to spend my time watching stuff we haven't reviewed yet. Right. But I will make the effort, okay? This one's worth it. Okay, cool. This one is an absolute binge. That's Made for Love on HBO. HBO H- Max, not HBO. It's not on HBO. I would have watched it by then. That's it's just true. on HBO Max. HBO Max, thank you. Yep. All right, what's next? All right, before we get into the next review, I have a little story. So travel back in time with me, would you, Joe? Please. Circa late 1990s, early 2000s. Okay. okay it's an Easter Sunday, okay? <laughs> okay. I'm in Venice Beach. Mm-hmm. I'm at my friend's girlfriend's sister's house. We all do Easter dinner, and then later on, we all walk down Venice Beach on the boardwalk. I end up going off on my own. Why? I don't know. But I'm walking down the, the boardwalk, and then I end up going down one of those side streets. You know how Venice is, all the car parks. You know you know what I'm talking parking about, Parking right? lots, yeah. Well, not parking lots, but just, you know, there's houses, and underneath there's, you know, the garage. Oh, right, yeah. Right? So I'm walking, and um, I see this dog coming my way. It's not a huge dog, middle-sized dog, maybe, I don't know, I can't really remember. I just remember there's a dog coming, okay? In the meantime, there's a car that's backing out, and this car is going to hit this dog, uh-oh. So I book it. I run over and I get between the dog and the car. I put my hands up and I'm like, stop. The car stops. Dog gets out of the way. Crisis averted. Wow. About 15, 20 seconds later, this older couple comes walking up and the, the man goes, wow, man, thanks. That was close. Oh, Okay. And you know who it is. I was wondering where this he was. Wondering where this is going. That man was George Carlin. You saved George Carlin's dog. Yeah, I did. 
Wow, that's good. And all I got to say is, where's my comedy karma, Joe? Hmm? Shouldn't yeah. I get some comedy karma for saving George Carlin's dog? I think you should. Shouldn't yeah. I be headlining right now? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Something? Making money doing comedy for saving George Carlin's dog's life? Something, yeah. It might have been his wife's dog. Now that I watched the... Uh, did you watch both parts of this? What yeah. we're about to review? Yes. I couldn't tell which dog it was. It's one of those in the second part where I'm like, I saved that dog's life. One of them. I'm not sure which. I didn't watch the credits. Did you get thanked in the I credits? did not get thanked, but uh, I know in my heart of hearts that uh, I did the right thing that day. I did not know it was George Carlin's dog. I know it's just a dog. I was trying to help the dog, you know? Yeah, I got it. I had no like agenda <laughs> other than saving the dog from getting run over. Okay. Okay. That's all I got to say. And that leads us into... HBO and HBO Max's new two-part documentary, George Carlin's American Dream. They're both about two hours each. So you're looking at about just under four hours here of total uh, George Carlin time. And this is comprehensive. This is by Judd Apatow and Michael Bonfiglio. They made it. They had also done that documentary on uh, Gary Shandling, which is very good. Yeah. This is next level, though. Because there's just so much material. Like, there's all the talking heads, but they're not used like crazy because there's so much archival footage of him talking that you really feel like almost George Carlin is narrating it at times. Right, because there is no narrator. It is really just strung out footage. Yeah. Of course, it's Judd Apatow when you said uh, four hours. I think everyone put that math together. Go on. What did you think of it? Oh, really? Okay. Did you know I saved his dog's life? <laughs> yeah. Well, had I known that yeah, at yeah, the time. Yeah. <laughs> first of all, I disagree that it's better than the Gary Shandling documentary. Okay. Because I think Gary Shandling, I knew nothing about Gary Shandling. I didn't really know anything about George Carlin either, but I wasn't surprised. Nothing in this documentary was like, you're kidding. Really? He what? It's like... Okay, growing up, uh, he had an alcoholic dad who beat his brother. Oh, uh, time out. Yeah. The brother is great. Yeah. He's a whack job. He's crazy. Yeah. With well, his 420 t-shirt. The right. guy looks like 110. Yeah, he's at least 90 years old, probably. He's funny, dude. Him and his daughter are the ones that have the most insight. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, but what did you learn about George Carlin that you didn't already just assume? The amount of cocaine that he did. This guy did Scarface levels of cocaine. I didn't know it completely fueled his comedy for like decades. Hmm. No? You knew all that? Well, no, I didn't know that. But if you were like, you know who did a lot of cocaine and you gave me 20 guesses, one of the guesses would be George Carlin. Okay, that's fine. I just, look it. I got a bone to pick though. Okay. Okay. My first exposure to George Carlin was uh, in 1982. He had his HBO special, Carlin at Carnegie. I had no idea who this guy was. All I had heard was he's got this list of swear words, right? So my father watched it, but I wasn't allowed to watch it. So I had to stay upstairs. F that. I went downstairs and uh, sat on the steps and listened to the very end where he did all the swear words. So that was my first real exposure to this guy. Now, the documentary never gets into his list of swear words. That was like the big thing of that t- special. I mentioned it. Did it? Yeah. Really? It was towards the end of the uh, the first part. Yeah, it definitely did. 
Well, not to my liking, it, I'll tell you that. It didn't like dissect it. It was just him saying what the word, I mean, I've never. No, no, underst- no, 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 no. That was the seven dirty words you can't say. Oh, I'm yes. talking about his monster 200 plus words. Oh, where oh. he just goes nuts. And it's just a whole like five minutes of swears. No, I didn't think, I don't think they went into See, that. they didn't. Okay. And I was like, come on, man. That was the thing for me, dude. Also, and this is totally bizarro. Okay. He's listing all these different words for penis. You know, it's like cock, dick. Then he says Peter. And then he says the one-eyed wonder worm. Mm. Now, to my nine-year-old ears, I thought he meant Peter, the one-eyed wonder worm. I thought there was a one-eyed wonder worm and his name was Peter for years. Right. I get like a character, like a cartoon character. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're killing me here, Joe. Do we need to do some cocaine? Oh, man. I don't know if that even would would help. Interesting. Finish your praises of this thing. The talking heads are interesting, but my favorite was Tony Orlando. I hadn't seen what that guy looked like in years. Now, Mm -hmm. you probably didn't grow up with Tony Orlando. He's way before your time. But uh, I did. Tony Orlando and Dawn hadn't seen what this guy looked like. And it's like, oh, there he is. Ah, he's old. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, it had Patton Oswalt, so, you know. That's red flag number one for me is is Patton Oswalt. Well, you can't have a documentary on comedy without him. No, he's he just... is so okay. Look it. <laughs> I'm just gonna say this about Patton Oswalt. Great comic, but seriously, dude, do you have to have your fucking opinion on everything that's in comedy? Yeah. Seriously. Take a break once in a while, dude, and not be in every single thing about comedy. Okay? If we made a documentary about something, he'd do it for sure. Patton. Do it about us, right? Yeah, yeah. And he'd have an opinion. <laughs> of course he would. Oh, those are the guys that bitched me out on their podcast for being in everything too much. F them. <laughs> Nothing against him, but I'm just sick of like him being like the go-to for everything in comedy, right? And also, yeah. Jerry Seinfeld. I think his opinions on comedy are bullshit. Okay? Seinfeld's? Yeah. I'm sick of him. Like, ugh, he's, he's so highfalutin. I'm just done with him. I'm sorry. I'm not a big Seinfeld fan. Either. I know you're not, but it's like, you know, look it. I like the show. He's incredibly talented. Do I put him on Mount Rushmore for stand-ups? I don't. Okay. He would not be up there if it wasn't for his show. Sure. You want me to help me out some for color? God's sake. I'm letting you get it all out because you're not going to like this next part. Go, just go. Not a Carlin fan. Okay. Not That's remotely fine. a okay. Carlin fan. I hesitate to even refer to him as a comedian. Because if he's a comedian, Tucker Carlson's a comedian. Oh, because ooh, this is ooh, someone ooh, them fighting words, this, Joe. Them fighting now words. Listen, this is someone who just rants. He's like a Bill Hicks. I mean, I'm sure most people are, have heard the dirty words, and even that, it's like, okay, here's a guy reading a list of words, and it's funny because they're swear words. I like swear words. Yeah, I get it, but we're really widening the net of what is comedy. Now I'm a purist. Are you? I'm a purist. Okay. I don't like the sizzle. I like the steak. You know what I'm saying? I like a comedian who can write a good joke and, and I'm going to put you on the spot. I've been waiting for this moment all day. All right. What's your favorite George Carlin joke? Uh, yeah, I, I get your point. It's more about right. themes than an exact joke. Nothing comes to mind. And I'm, I'm, you know, look at when I think of Carlin, I think about, you know, the list. Look, I saw him in college. He was Mm -hmm. great, but I see your point. I still think he's a genius, and I give him credit for constantly evolving with the times and trying to be relevant 
And he is one of the great social satirists, satirists, whatever, you know what I mean, yeah. of the, the latter half of the 20th century. And I give him credit for staying out there and doing it. I still think he's a genius. Am I putting him out of my Mount Rushmore? No. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Now, when you say, I don't know if it's satirist or satirist, whatever it is, I also disagree with that because when I think of satire, I think of uh, Mad Magazine or National Lampoon or, as we mentioned almost every week, South Park, where they make that point about how messed up something is, but they don't just say, how messed up is this? It's so messed up. What a crock. That's not satire. That's the aforementioned Tucker Carlson humor, which is like, this thing sucks. These people are hypocritical. It's like, okay, is there a way to do that that's funny, though? Because I don't I don't remember him doing that in a way that was funny. It was just angry, upset. Not that he's not right. And, in fact, you see a lot of people forwarding the Facebook stuff, which they did talk about in the thing, the left and the right both. Here's a Carlin clip that proves my political point. It's like, all right. What about the ending where you take all his words and superimpose them over everything going on in the world right now? It all yeah. fits in. It does. His comedy, in a sense, is timeless. And I know you're not calling it comedy and not in your right. world. But in my world, his comedy is fitting with our times. And sadly, it probably always will. Commentary, yes. Humorist, yes. But... Again, to sit here and say he's one of the best comedians of all time, and I guarantee you not one person can name their favorite George Carlin joke. He's uh, got that bit about stuff. Yeah, you got to put your stuff somewhere. Right. I got to have a house for more stuff. Yeah. You know? No? I guess. Look, I like him way more than you do. I'm sorry I made you watch this, apparently. Yeah, it, for- it wasn't a bad documentary. It just, to me, I didn't learn anything from it, and I didn't really like him to begin with. The Gary Shandling thing, I didn't know any of that stuff. And I didn't know how funny he was. So I knew nothing about Gary Shanley. I had an opinion going into this. So maybe I was biased, but we got to go back to something real quick. Okay. When people talk about like, let's say you go down to the comedy club and people always talk about who George Carlin, Richard Pryor, Robin Williams. Those are like the guys that, that people always mention. Right. Yeah. When I said I'm a purist, you know what I like, which is joke writing. Yes, that's your thing, meaning, for sure. Meaning, I think the best comedians could hand you an index card and you can read it and it would be funny because it's a good joke, right? Or it could be on TV or it could be whatever. The guys that have the energy and do all the running around and the, um, you know, I have zero charisma, so maybe I'm just jealous. But when people are just all... Ah, Something ah, we ah. finally agree on in yeah. this review, Joe. Thank you. But when people are just ah, 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 energy level, energy level, it's like, oh, their jokes probably aren't that good. Exhibit A, Stephen Wright. Stephen Wright is the master joke writer. Yeah. Zero charisma. True. I mean, that's his act, but you know what I mean? That's comedy to me is a good joke. Mitch Hedberg. I could do 20 Mitch Hedberg jokes. Here's my Rushmore real quick, and then I want to ask you yours. Okay. And I'll go five. I'll go five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Okay. Chappelle mm-hmm. is five. Rodney Dangerfield, talk about a guy that you, you'd probably tell his jokes and don't even know that they're his sometimes. Mitch Hedberg, Louis C.K., and, of course, you know who my number one is. No. Yes, you do. Work with me, Joe. I'm drawing yeah. a blank here. I'm working Norm, at my list. Norm MacDonald. Oh, Norm MacDonald. Of course, you love Norm. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. You love Norm. I mean, I like monologue jokes, and I like that stuff. But even like Jim Gaffigan, um, who I'd put maybe in top 10, there's jokes in the stories. 
You know, it's not like a Burt Kreischer where they just go up there and tell some story and he takes his shirt off and gets oh, drunk. Isn't that hilarious? I know. I don't know. Carlin, I guess, was cool, but as a joke writer, yeah. I right. don't know if he could do a joke. I'm exaggerating a little bit because there were some funny things in there, but I wasn't a fan. I thought the documentary was unsurprising. And, okay. And, uh, that's wow. it for me. All Sorry. right. That's great. Sorry, now, everyone. you wanted me to do my Mount Everest, but I didn't do it like you wanted me to I think do it was it. Mount Kilimanjaro yeah. the K-12 the one with Everest. the faces the, the one with the faces on it yeah that's Mount Everest not Mount Kilimanjaro it's Mount Rushmore what did I say Mount Everest <laughs> I thought you were joking I just watched a whole thing about Mount Everest on the news and it's like in my brain sorry okay Jess where were you on that one huh come on Jess get in here oh we're over 30 minutes in and you guys finally need me for something I'm kidding don't Jess we don't want you right now please stay away don't make this any worse than it already is. <laughs> Who's your, okay. No, okay, this is not my Mount Rushmore, really. These are just the comedians that I've enjoyed the most in my life. I knew you were going to do that. That's a different question. Because that's like saying, oh, I love space balls, but you wouldn't put space balls on the AFI top films list, right? All right, well, then we're but go screwed. Ahead. Well, go ahead and do your thing. Because there's people on here that are going to go, no way, no way. Now, there's no order to this. All right. I'm just going to say, growing up, these are the comedians that I enjoyed. And they're the okay. one that leave a mark on me. All right. Okay. Eddie Murphy. Okay. You know, between Delirious and Raw, I had the cassette in the car going to school every day. Ice cream, ice cream. I mean, all of it. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I loved Eddie Murphy. Do you want me to ask you what your favorite Eddie Murphy joke is? I just is? said ice cream, ice cream. Or what the thing, you know, uh, uh, Goonie Goo Goo. How can I love Goonie Goo Goo? Okay. All right. Go on. All right. Robin Williams. Yeah, yeah. Robin Williams, one of the greatest stand-up comedians of all time. I don't yeah. care if he stole his jokes. The man, speaking of cocaine, yeah. all right? <laughs> right. Cocaine, surprisingly, a, a big fuel in comedy that I wasn't aware of. I was totally aware of it. Yeah. I'm just saying it seemed to, like, you know, propel people and kill them at the same time. His impressions were next level, too. That's why he gets away with a little bit. I don't call him out for being a charisma guy versus a material guy because he did the impressions and the voices and stuff. Anyway, he did everything. Yeah. Okay. You, I almost put him in top in my top five too. Go All right, ahead. right. Okay. Chris Rock. Yeah. Almost put him in my top five too. Love Chris Rock. Yeah. More than Chappelle. That's just okay. for, you know, that's a it's a personal choice. Yeah. Uh, just okay. his bit about like, you know, getting busted with porn and how, you know, where the guy's got the secret lair like the bat cave to hide his porn and I was Chris Rock, I love you and the whole thing. Don't get rid of the guns, make the bullets super expensive. Look at I have peed my pants watching him. He's good. Love him. Now, this guy, you're going to go, F you, Demo, F you. But I enjoyed this guy. I saw him in person. I loved him on SNL. I loved his HBO specials. Today, I wouldn't listen to him. But he was actually on a podcast recently, the Fly on the Wall one with David Spade and mm -hmm. Dana Carvey. He was very entertaining. Dennis Miller. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's great. That guy can write a joke. Yeah. And he's weird, man. His, I love the esoteric references. Yeah. I love it because it's so like, where did that come from? Yeah. The most current comedian on my list, Conan O'Brien. Uh, I thought of him too. I love Conan. Conan probably is the most influential comedian for me in the last 25 years. I think he is a fantastic joke writer because he's written for all these shows. That he, written for he The Simpsons. Yeah. He just doesn't happen to do stand up, and I don't know why. Has Look, he ever done stand-up? Do you know? He has, yes. Huh. When he lost his show, he went on tour. He did do stand-up. He has done stand-up. It's not his thing. Look, he's got his podcast that I love. Anyway, look, it. I know that's the, not the Mount Rushmore you wanted, but those are the comedians that speak to me. Okay. okay, but nowhere on that list was George Carlin. 
George Carlin goes on the Mount Rushmore for the world, not for me personally. How about that? I still think George Carlin's great. I still think this documentary is great. But I see what you're saying, Joe. We just don't see eye to eye on this. But That's yes, fine. I'm not putting him on my personal Mount Rushmore. He's not going on Kilimanjaro. He's not going on <laughs> Everest. He's not going on Rainier. He's not going on Fuji. I'm sure we're going to get comments about, uh, first of all, there's only four people on Mount Rushmore. But whatever. It, look, you know, we bend the rules a little bit here at Benger Purge. Oh, my God. We, we beat this one to death, Okay. Man. If you okay. like George Carlin, you'll like this documentary. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> George Carlin's American Dream. Streaming now. It's on HBO, but of course on HBO Max. Two parts, four hours. If you like George Carlin, and dare I say, the history of comedy in some respects, it's a binge. I did like the clips from SCTV. <gasps> oh my God. How are we not mentioning that? Yeah. That we're sending Rick him up Moranis. Over. Yeah. I never knew Rick Moranis did an impression of George Carlin. Yeah. So good. G so go funny. find those on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did I not write that in my notes? Thank you for mentioning yeah, you're that. Welcome. That was my favorite thing. That, Rick that was good. All right. So uh, overall, I guess it's a little more of a binge than it is a purge between the two of us. So, all right. Are you looking forward to some stuff? And I already know one thing you're looking forward to, but what else? I know Kenobi, but we're not going to get into that. Uh, I have a whole other review, dude. You do? I said I had one more thing that I was going to be going long, possibly. And this here we are. I didn't tell you what it is. Oh, okay. Well, well that's why I don't know. All right. Okay. This just came out over the weekend. Granted, by the time you hear this, it'll be out three months ago. But it is on Disney Plus, so I know you're already on board. You love Disney Plus, Joe. Yeah. It is Chippendale Rescue Raiders. Uh, Rangers. It's already what out. What did I say? No, Rescue. Oh, Ranger. Oh, I wrote Raiders. You know what? I always think of Indiana Jones. Oh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Rangers. Like the cartoon when we grew up. Like the cartoon when we grew up. Now, did you grow up with watching Chippendale? Yeah, yeah. And Tailspin and all that. Oh, yeah. Of course so I you did. watched Darkwing Duck and oh, DuckTales? Yeah. Yep. I did not. Not for me. Not saying it wasn't for, you know, kids loved it. I'm not coming down on it. Now, this is only one hour and 38 minutes. This was a recommendation from listener Greg. And I was like, oh, Greg, you got to be kidding me. He goes, no, dude, I'm telling you, watch it. So I did. Oh my God, I loved this. Yeah? This is the spiritual sequel to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Okay. It's a whole meta miracle. It's all inside jokes about animation. All the IPs are in it, man. Like every freaking cartoon of the last 30 years makes an appearance in this thing. It's all inside jokes. Now, here's what might sell you on it. It's pretty much by The Lonely Island. Oh, no kidding. Akiva Schaefer directed it, and the voices are John Mulaney and Andy Sandberg as Chip and Dale. This must have come out, because I saw an ad for this like two days ago, and mm -hmm. it's out already? Yeah, it came out on Friday. Okay. And like I said, I loved it. I laughed, I laughed, I laughed. Honestly, Joe, you might like it too, but I know you're not an animation guy, but like I said, it's it's the Lonely Island guys, 
It's just chock full of jokes, man, and references to other movies. Oh, wink, yeah. wink, nudge, nudge. It's live action mixed with animation and different styles of animation. All the different kinds of anime. Just quick, Chip and Dale are playing the actors that were on Rescue Rangers. Does that make sense? They're the chipmunks that played them, right? And Chip has stayed his 2D animated self, but Dale got a 3D CGI makeover. Right, because I I noticed that from the previews that they look completely different. Right. And I originally saw a clip for them on Jimmy Kimmel, and I was like, ugh, this looks like a mess. But it's great, man. There's a little South Park thing. Rick and Morty, Transformers, The Simpsons. The story itself is that anything great. It's just basically a track to run the jokes on and all the references and to have a great time. There's some really creative scenes. I can't believe I loved it this much. It was just fun, dude. It's just fun. And like I said, if you loved Who Framed Roger Rabbit from 1988, which I did, there's no reason you're not going to love this. And there's no reason not to see this. You will enjoy it. Okay. It sounds cool. Um, Now, it's it's a family thing, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So anyone can watch it. Anyone can watch it. I guess if you loved the show and you're completely, if all this reverence for, you know, the 90s cartoon, maybe you'll think this isn't what I wanted, but this is what is entertaining for anybody else. Okay, well, that's a pretty high recommendation. I loved it. Right now, it's got a a 98 with the critics and a 93 with audiences on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, you know the thing about uh, Chip and Dale, right? They're friends. (laughs) Ha ha, I see what you did there. They're friends. Yeah, they are. And uh, one of them has a red nose and one of them has a black nose, and it's because Chip, it's like chocolate chip. He has a brown nose. Is that why it is? Well, that's how you remember it. Okay. I don't know. I, well, I, I don't I know thought, where that came that, from. I thought that's some kind of lore. Is that not? I don't know. I think I Look, I don't know anything about Chip and Dale. You know, I didn't watch the show. I mean, I knew the Disney. Who, Chip and Dale? I knew that from, like, all the old Disney stuff, but I didn't get into this stuff. Like I said, the only thing I liked about DuckTales was uh, Scrooge McDuck swimming in the gold. I always wanted to do that. To me, that's like, you know, (laughs) I just want to go, you know, DuckTailing in some gold. That's my... If I had all the money in the world, that's what I'm doing. There's so still time. that's it. There's, There's still, still time. time. Now, serious time. question. Did you yes. watch this on accident because you thought it was about Chippendales? They make a joke about that. Ah, well. You know what I mean? There you go. Why am I not writing for Disney then? Exactly. Anyway, that is Chippendale Rescue Rangers streaming right now on Disney+. Plus. One hour and 38 minutes. It's a whole lot of fun, and it's a major binge. Okay, quick recap then. Yeah, go for it, brah. Wow, we did a lot of stuff. So, I said we would. Yeah, we recapped Atlanta. You said, eh, not the best season. Season three, not as good as the uh, previous two seasons. We recapped Ozark, which was absolutely, I mean, obviously, if you've watched it this far, you're going to watch the rest, but I thought it was a great way to wrap it up. I thought it was fine. Uh, then we talked about Severance, which outside of L.A. and the fact that we have access to all these billboards, I don't know if anyone else has ever heard of this that lives outside of here. I mean, well, if you haven't heard of it, you should. We think yeah. it's a major binge. I personally said it's in the running for biggest binge of 2022. Yeah, 98 on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. That's Severance on Apple TV Plus, Made for Love on HBO Max. Interesting series, a uh, little complex, but if you're looking for something to get into, it's uh, second season's out now, so 16 episodes, about an hour. Uh, if you got some time, give that a binge. And then uh, the Uh-oh. George Carlin documentary. 
Demo says binge. I've said what I was going to say. So there's that. Yes. That's on HBO and HBO Max. And then finally, Chippendale. What's the name of the movie? Chippendale Rescue Rangers on Disney Plus. Yeah. So there you go. And that that sounds like a good fun time for anybody. It is. It's a lot of fun. Are they all binges today? They're all binges. I know people are like, give me some purges. But what do you want from me? This is what we get. This is what we watch. I think in the next episode, I'm going to have a major purge. So I can feel it. Down below. It's, I, it's uh, percolating. I might have one, too. Yeah. Um, now, real quick, are you looking forward to this uh, Game of Thrones spinoff thing? I am, but I want to preface that what I've seen so far, I'm not thrilled with. Obviously, yeah. I'm going to watch it. It looks too dark visually. Looks like oh. it's all in one location. Like, they, yeah. We're going to do it all at, you know, the, the keep down in King's Landing and then maybe go outdoors a little bit. But it looks like the whole thing is like, ooh, do you like candles? It looks like it's just going to be all dark. Now, here's the thing. I'm watching all of it, right? Who am I kidding? Right? I'm, I'm not going to watch this. Of course I am. But I'm going in with low expectations. Well, I'm going to wait for you to review it before I start it because, you know, that's a time commitment, I'm guessing. Well, so. it's weekly. It's one hour a week. Yeah. Okay. Right? Come on. All right. We'll get to that when we get to now, it. Now, I had mentioned, or you had mentioned, what I was excited about was obviously Obi-Wan Kenobi. We'll get to that. I don't know. We'll see. Here's the thing. I try, I try to go into every new Star Wars thing open-minded. And this has to do with Obi-Wan Kenobi. So I'm hopeful, but always doubtful. Hopeful, but doubtful, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. I've been burned more times than not with Star Wars stuff, man. You know, as much as I love it, it mostly sucks. Yeah. All, All right. right. So I'll let you know what I think of that. I'm sure you'll watch that, right? We'll see. We'll see. You watched Mando. Oh, I love Mando. Well, Obi-Wan Kenobi's got to be the least interesting person in the Star Wars universe, isn't he? Oh, my God, dude. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I don't know his backstory. I know he was celebrated in the first three uh, movies, which were. Yeah, I know. I mean, look, my probably my biggest complaint is this is going to be prequel heavy and I hate the prequels. You know, I mean, Hayden Christensen's in it as Darth Vader. Like that's the lad. Get get nobody in there. And James Earl Jones's voice. I don't need Hayden Christensen in the suit. Okay, I don't need him in the Bacta tank. I don't need to see Hayden Christensen ever. Okay. All right, I didn't want to start this. Okay, all right, okay. We'll, can we, we'll come can back we when the show on? actually airs. Okay, we all recapped. Right. We did it. Uh, yeah, where can they find us, Joe? I'm tired. All right, Instagram, at Binge or Purge Podcast. Twitter, at Binge or Purge. Binge or Purge Podcast at gmail.com. Send us some emails, huh? Or some voicemails, what? Well, I was going to say, you're not sending the voicemails, so you, 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 I, last episode I was like, it's over, so we're not even mentioning it anymore. I, I, shame on you for even mentioning it, Joe. It's done. No right. more voicemails ever. Well, either way, you can get a hold of us if you want. Recommend stuff that we should be reviewing. That's where some of this stuff comes from, is even stuff that I we I wouldn't have, have watched Chippendale's Rescue Rangers without the recommendation from uh, listener Greg. Yeah, there's been a couple like that, so... Let us know and uh, let us know that you disagree with Demo and that you agree with me. Uh, and, uh, You're not going to get any emails on that, bro. Probably not. I'll do the, as always, we, we want to thank Jess the Facts. Jess, glad you're feeling better. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, this was great. As Demo's al- just pointing at me. As <laughs> always, you can follow Jess the Facts on Instagram at the Jesse Greer. That's Jesse with a Y. I'll take over. Thanks. So for Joe Taylor, my name is Demo. This has been Binge or Purge Streaming Reviews. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you next time.